0: Warning, the 619 Crimes podcast contains topics like violence, drug use, and suicide. Please consider this while listening today. Thank you. Betty Broderick. 22-year-old John Ernest. 34-year-old Sean Nelson. of mm-hmm. Nott. 16-year-old Brenda Spencer. 29-year-old Ali Nasser Abulabon. This is 619 Crimes Podcast, where every Wednesday, we bring you short crime stories that took place in San Diego. I am your host, Al Rodriguez. What's up, everyone? Today's case is straight up some mafia gangster shit. Frank lived the life that is made for Hollywood. Nowadays, when we think of organized crime in San Diego, we think the Mexican cartels. I myself had no idea there was a classic Italian mob boss who ran my city. But anyways, let's get to it. This is episode four, Frank Bompensiero. Frank's family comes from Portagello, Sicily. The family immigrated to America in 1904. They settled in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They came to America via boat with another family named Balestrieri, whose son, Frank, later became the boss of of the Milwaukee crime family. A year after arriving in Milwaukee, Frank Pompisiero was born on October 29, 1905. Frank attended Andrew Jackson Elementary in Milwaukee. However, Frank dropped out after the third grade. Despite dropping out so early, he was able to find work at an automobile parts factory. Before the age of 20, Frank made the move to San Diego, California. This was around 1920. Frank moved to the El Cerrito neighborhood. He lived on Estelle Street. Soon after arriving in San Diego, he began to cross to Tijuana, Mexico, and buy cheap bootleg liquor. And he would bring it back to America, where at the time liquor was illegal because of prohibition. Frank began to make a lot of money with his new business. So much money that he got the attention of the Italian mafia. Frank went up to LA to meet a man named Jack Dragna. Jack was the boss of the L.A. crime family, and Jack took Frank under his wing and became his mentor. With Frank's new promotion, he was to be in charge of all of the L.A. family's business in San Diego. Around this time, Frank married a woman named Thelma Jan San The couple had a baby girl shortly after. They named the girl Mary Ann. With a small family of his own now, Frank bought a home in Pacific Beach, a beautiful beach town in San Diego. In the late 1920s, Frank was arrested more than five times. Some of the charges were things like liquor violation, possession of a firearm, illegal gambling and even more serious crimes like kidnapping and murder. However, Frank had acquired so much power that none of those charges would ever stick. He would walk free. In 1932, the San Diego District Attorney was able to convict Frank for a liquor violation and they sentenced Frank to a year in jail. Frank was sent to the McNeil Island Correction Center. Frank was released late 1933. In 1939, Frank was wanted by the San Diego Police Department once again, this time for the murder of a man named Les Brownman. The murder took place in Redondo Beach. Frank left California shortly after. Two years later, an innocent man was convicted for the murder. So Frank returned to San Diego shortly after the arrest. For the next 20 years, Frank built an, a business empire. He owned a music store, a horse racing wire service company, and even the Gold Rail Cafe, which was inside of the world-famous U.S. Grant Hotel. In downtown San Diego. Frank also combed several bars in downtown. He used the bars to freely run a loan sharking business. Frank earned a reputation with the mob as an extortion shakedown artist. The boss of LA crime family, Jack Draña, made Frank his personal hitman. Frank committed murders in San Diego and Los Angeles. In 1955, Frank was convicted of bribery and conspiracy in an illegal liquor license scam. Frank was sentenced to three to 42 years in prison. He was sent to Chino Institution for Men in Chino, California. While in prison, his wife, Delma died of a stroke. Frank was actually let out of prison and escorted to his wife's funeral. He was escorted by four U.S. Marshals. Early after his wife's death, Frank was transferred to San Quentin State Prison in Northern California. While in San Quentin, his boss, Jack Drana dies due to a heart attack. The attorney and mobster, Frank Des Moines, took over the LA crime family. Des Moines immediately demoted Frank from captain back to soldier. Des Moines also appointed Tony Marable as the new boss of San Diego. A few years later, Frank was finally released from prison. In 1967, Frank was once again arrested, along with Jewel Franciano. The arrest was for a trucking company dirt hauling union scheme. They were arrested in El Centro, California. The pair couldn't make bail. With no way out, Frank accepted becoming an informant for the FBI. The FBI dropped all his charges in exchange. Around 1971, Frank and a man named Tony Spelatro started a large loan sharking operation based out of Las Vegas. In 1975, a multimillionaire woman named Tamara Rand, who was a real estate broker from San Diego, was actually suing Alan Glick, who was the boss in Vegas. Tamara had accused Alan of scamming her out of more than $2 million in a real estate investment scam. Tony snuck into Tamara's home at night. As Tamara was preparing tea, Tony snuck up behind her and shot Tamara with a .22 caliber handgun. Tony then ran outside and jumped in the car and Frank drove them away. In the mid-1970s, the new boss of of the LA crime family was Dominic Brooklyer. Dom didn't trust Frank Dom even put out contracts on Frank's life, but always failed. Frank was always moving with caution. In 1977, the FBI set up a pornography business called Forex and used Frank to bait the LA crime family to extort the business. It worked. Jewel Fratriano asked Frank how he had heard of Forex and Frank responded by acting offended that Joe even doubted him. Jewel was convinced Frank was a rat. A week later, on the morning of February 10, 1977, Frank needed to make a few calls and Frank knew the FBI had placed a wiretap on his home phone. So Frank walked to the Arco gas station in his Pacific Beach neighborhood. Witnesses said he was wearing pajamas and a robe. After using the gas station's payphone, he turned around and walked away. And just as he did, a man walked up behind him and shot Frank close range in the back of the head. He was shot with a .22 caliber handgun. Frank fell to the floor and died there at the Arco gas station, which is still there to this day. The next year, Jewel admitted to the police that he had hired Thomas Ricciardi to kill Frank. The FBI did arrest Thomas Ricciardi of Frank's murder. However, he died before the trial could begin. That was today's episode. If you would like to show your support for this show, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would truly, really help us. It would go a long way for a small show like this. Again, my name is Al Rodriguez, and this has been the 619 Crimes Podcast. See you guys next Wednesday. Peace.